This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show. The place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. We're now just a couple days removed from the Super Bowl, which means that the offseason is officially here, even though all of us have pretty much been in GM mode ever since Black Monday. I'm Russell DeWitt, and I'm joined by my Bears brothers, Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano. Brothers, I want to know, how have you been over the course of the last week? And Brandon, I stiffed you last week, so go ahead and kick things off. Uh, well, I had a birthday between now and then, so I'm definitely a year wiser, I think. Oh, that's good. Or at least a couple days. Uh, yeah. Couple days anyway. How about you, Nick? I've been good. Uh, just been easing my way into work, just staying busy. But yeah, football's over with. But you're right. We have all been in GM mode since that Black Monday, but been good. Awesome. Good to hear, guys. So remember, last week I said I wanted to kind of begin these offseason shows kind of with like a unique twist and kind of a fun twist, kind of help our listeners get to know us just a little bit more. So this week, I want to talk about some movies and I want to know if you could be in a movie of your choice, what movie would you choose and what character would you be? Huge question. I know a lot to ponder. So I'll go ahead, be the nice guy, even though I already know this question's coming up, let you know uh, who I would be in what movie. And I would choose Happy Gilmore and I would be Happy Gilmore. It's a movie that I watched as a kid, you know, countless times growing up. And honestly, I think it would be pretty awesome, you know, to find myself, actually to find my calling and, of course, finding myself taking down Shooter Gavin, getting myself one of those gold jackets. Plus, I get to save Grandma's house. You know, it's a pretty awesome story to go ahead and live. And you get the girl at the end. You get to see Chubbs up in the sky. Overall, that's what I would do if I had to choose. But, Nick, I told you you're going to be stumped, are you? You know, I, I thought about I'm glad you went first because I would have been like, oh, I have no idea. But I've always li- loved superhero movies and my favorite superhero. And I th- hey, I have a little figure back there. You probably can't see it, but it's Spider-Man. So and I'd actually be the new Spider-Man, younger guy in high school. So just to have the powers and, you know, you're always going to get the girl at the end. You'll have your enemies. You get to fight crime and stuff. That would be awesome. So I'd be Spider-Man, Peter Parker. There you go. And you get to fling webs from your wrist. So, I mean, win, win all the way around for Spider-Man. But uh, how about you be movie and a character? I've watched The Dark Knight uh, enough times that I don't think I need the script for it, so it'd be easy for me to be the Joker in that one just because I just know it off the top of my head kind of thing. So uh, I don't necessarily want to be the villain, 
Uh, you are now. Those lines. Yeah, I know it. So I guess that's that's what I'm stuck with. All right. Well, that was pretty interesting. Uh, I like your guys' answers. Uh, very insightful. So before we get into our show, here's a rundown of what we're going to discuss in today's episode. That way you know what to expect. We're going to begin by talking about Brian Urlacher being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Then we're going to discuss the Super Bowl and explain why you should be excited as a Bears fan from it. Uh, we're going to hit on the recent hire of Brad Childress um, as the Bears offensive consultant, as well as the other two assistant coach hires. We're then going to go around and regrade Ryan Pace's first draft class and debate the Bears' biggest need this offseason. And finally, Finally, time permitting, which I'm assuming we're going to have time, we're going to answer some fan questions to close out the show. And one more thing before we kick off, I just want to give you a quick reminder uh, that we're going to be giving out a free Bears jersey to one of our lucky listeners once we reach 200 reviews on Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't yet, please give their show a review on it. Leave that Twitter handle so we know how to reach you if you are selected as the winner. And just make sure to join that contest if you can. Lots of fun. A lot of people excited about that free Bears jersey giveaway of your choice. So guys, let's begin and discuss perhaps the most exciting news in Bears football in quite some time as Brian Urlacher is officially a first ballot Hall of Fame linebacker and will be enshrined with the rest of the Hall of Fame class in twenty uh, in the 2018 class come here in August. And guys, just real talk. Did you actually expect him to make it? Because I was cautiously optimistic, but I really didn't think with Ray Lewis in this class that the voters are going to get him in. I, I mean, obviously, I think they're right, and I'm so ecstatic that Urlacher is in, but what was your confidence level like, B? Uh, not very high. I was hoping he'd get in but i wasn't totally expecting because like you said ray lewis is in the same class and there were kind of some other names out there that i was kind of like eh, they might get in because they're not going to put two inside linebackers in on a first ballot but they didn't i think they absolutely got it right how about you nick what was your uh expectation did you expect him to make it in or not Honestly, I'm, I'm going to say no, but just, just for the same fact that not a lot of players in the same position get in at the same exact time. First ballot, too. So I was a little wary, and so was Brian. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Erlecker, I heard on the radio today, he actually spoke about it. He's like, you know, there's a lot of great players, and I, I know I was great as well, but it was a hard class to get into, but he did, so kudos to him. Yeah, exactly. Very, very much kudos to Brian Urlacher being, and he mentioned that his bust is actually going to be bald headed. So that's ex good news as well. I, a lot of people are thinking, I wonder if it's going to have hair. It's not, which obviously is the correct decision. When I think about Brian Urlacher manning the middle of that defense, I don't think about any hair on his head. So I'm happy that he decided uh, to go bald. And something I want to mention, I think, I don't know, I put in my notes is like, say it if you're crazy and I, maybe I am, but I want to talk about that superstitious thing. Uh, Brandon, I mentioned this to you a few days ago about the Erlat curse. I mentioned it's probably the very first season of this podcast, right? Ever since the bears let Brian Erlacher go, they're only 27 and 53. And I always felt like how they let him go is like, you know, that huge rift between him, the franchise, uh, how they just didn't do it in a very respectful manner. I always thought there was like a slight curse on this team, but you just have to wonder now that he got this much needed recognition, becoming that first ballot hall of famer, maybe it'll lift their like curse. Everything else is seeming like things are trending in the right direction uh, and behind the scenes here in Hallis Hall. But again, you know, that is just one man's very strange, very random opinion. 
But uh, guys, I want to go around the horn, perhaps share our personal favorite moments of Brian Erlacher's story career in Chicago. And if you're watching live or watching the replay, or even if you're listening to the podcast, uh, feel free to let us know uh, either in the comment section below here on YouTube or tweet us, Facebook us, whatever your favorite Erlacher memories as well. We like to celebrate, you know, our great players. And guys, I have so many memories, like so many memories that come to mind when I think about Brian Erlacher. So I'm going to let you guys go ahead and go first. I want to know where you guys are thinking, because I have like four listed here and I'm not going to go through them, but I just want kind of went down what i remembered off the top of my head but uh how about you b uh i have two of my favorites uh on here when he picked off uh, matt hasselback for that pick six that he had i just it was one of those moments where i was just kind of sitting there watching him and just it was all of a sudden just so excited because like they're picked off and took it all the way back to the house i mean that's exciting right uh i think that was his last one he took back uh, but the other one was when he lifted the trophy uh when they won the, the nfc house trophy the house trophy yeah when they won uh the nfc title that year uh, year they went to the Super Bowl, obviously. So those were the two that really stood out to me when I was uh, looking back at my favorite moments for Brian Urlacher. Sure. You know, in that NFC title game, too, one of those uh, memories that kind of stuck out is when Reggie Bush was running past Urlacher going for the end zone, pointing back at him, taunting him a little bit. I mean, of course, the Bears kind of, you know, turned that game around in the fourth quarter, scoring, I think, like, what, 21 on answer points. But one of those memories, too, like Reggie Bush uh, pointing back at Urlacher. Uh, obviously, Urlacher had the last laugh there, but uh, one of those I have as well. Uh, but how about you, Nick? What's, like, one of your favorite memories of Urlacher? Yeah, so it has to be in the the interception, the NFC Championship game, just because I got to see it firsthand. Um, the Bears were down at the time, 14-0, with a little over nine minutes left in that game in the third quarter, and he just jumps the route and picks off Rodgers. If only could have, you know, made it all the way to the end, so that would have been spectacular. But the the Soldier Field went crazy when that happened. We needed some life in that game, and just me being there, that just made that moment that much more special for me. But that's easily my favorite or lacquer moment. I mean, that's a great one to pick, especially being there in person. The stakes were high. I mean, that's definitely a huge and an awesome memory to have. Uh, for me, it comes from when I'm seven years old, and it was uh, his first ever matchup against the Packers, and he took down Brett Favre in a sack, which I remember that one, and that's kind of the last I had of that. I just remember that huge sack on Favre. Everyone who was watching the game with me was so excited, and I was like seven, and I was like, what is this? What is this thing called Bears football, and why is everyone getting excited about this number 54 making a hell of a play? And, you know, I went back at the stats of that game and he uh, checked actually had 10 tackles a pass deflection a fumble recovery in addition to that sack in his first ever game against the Packers of course Bears players who are great do great things against the Packers and on top of that you already mentioned uh, what he did against Aaron Rodgers there's another uh, pick six that he had against uh, Brett Favre in 2007 it was 85 yards the Bears won that game big time 35 to 7 you know those were the days and honestly I can't wait till we get some of those special players here on the field again here in Chicago uh, but by the way bros only 179 days until we have ourselves uh, field day in Canton as we're going to be at the enshrinement ceremony on August 5th and they have those tickets as soon as we found out Brian Nurlacher is going to get into the hall and I know none of us have been a part of anything even remotely close to that. So I want to know, guys, like, what are you looking forward to the most? Uh, is it going to be unveiling that bus or is it perhaps a speech? I think for me, Urlacher's speech is probably the number one thing I'm looking forward to the most out of the entire weekend. What about you, B? Yeah, I was going to say the speech as well. I'm just kind of really curious what he's going to throw in there, who he's going to thank, things like that. Exactly. What about you, Nick? What's your number one thing? Is it going to be the road trip that I'm going to force you to make because you're really destined to fly, it seems like? You know, I I will go on you go with you guys on the road trip, but I think yes. just being there in Ken, just seeing you know all all the people there, all the different types of fans, and seeing all you know these amazing players get into the Hall of Fame is going to be 
a a moment for us that we'll probably never forget seeing Erlacher in that bust, a bald bust, get into the Hall of Fame. That's going to be amazing. So just the atmosphere, the day in general is going to be amazing. The road trip's going to be fun too. I know I said I wanted to fly, but it's going to be a great trip for us to go on. Yeah, it is. And I don't know if I even told you guys, but in addition to going to the enshrinement ceremony, we actually do get one day passes into the Hall of Fame. So we actually get to go in there and see all of the other bears in the Hall of Fame. See those flies. So fancy. I cannot wait. (laughs) Exactly. But hey, you know, only 179 days. So, uh, you know, don't hold your breath just yet. We're going to be as blue as the Bears jerseys. (laughs) But guys, before we move on and talk about the Super Bowl that was just a couple days ago and kind of tie it back into the Bears, don't worry, we're going to do that. We always do here on the show. I need to tell you a little bit about our sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. So whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning the night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. And as you know, all three of the Bears Brothers have the CK apps on our phone. It's by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets. We can be anywhere, pull our phones within a few tabs, you know, instantly find some seats. I know I recently used it to get some tickets for an Eagles concert that Brandon and I is going up to here. Hey, wow, we're actually going to get to hang out a lot here in these upcoming months. But honestly, no matter what, you're looking for sports, concerts, wherever you live in the United States, uh, they definitely have uh, tickets available for you, whatever you're looking for here. And the best part of all is that CK is designed to make your ticket buying experience Easier than ever, make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of tickets from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And don't forget, our listeners get $20 off that first SeatGeek purchase. That's right. The savings even get better. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Alrighty, well, I'm Will DeWitt, joined by my two Bears brothers, Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano, and we are now moving on to a mini discussion here on the Super Bowl because I just want to kind of quickly hit on it. Um, of course, we'll tie it back to our Bears, like I mentioned, but we all know that the Eagles beat the Patriots 41-33, to but I want to know your guys' thoughts on the game. It wasn't a lot of defense, but would you guys consider this a good game in your opinion? And also, I want to mention, we all three did pick the Patriots. I mean, the national media did as well, but uh, so maybe we need to tuck our tails in between our legs just a little bit. But uh, how about you, Nick? Was that a good game? Oh, I, I loved it. I mean, even though there wasn't much defense, and usually I'm a defensive guy, the way that they were scoring, going back and forth, the the tides were turning for each team. You thought one was going to get momentum. They come right back, going for it on fourth down and just being very aggressive from both teams. I thought it was a great Super Bowl. It's a great way to end this NFL season. And yeah, I, I really liked all of it. So do you still think defense wins championships? Not that one. That one. Well, except for the sack. <laughs> except the biggest play that came, yep. you know, was that sack fumble from Graham on the Eagles. So, you know, if Tom Brady has that that opportunity to finish that drive, there's no doubt in my mind they go down, score a touchdown, and you don't know if the Eagles have enough time to come back. But, yeah, uh, defense was really not present except for the one play right there. What about you, B? What's your thoughts on this game? I thought it was an exciting game. Uh, the trick plays was something that I thought was pretty cool. Not something you see a whole lot, but I guess when it's the last game of the year, you got to pull out all the tricks, right? Exactly. From the Bears. Right? Yeah, the Philly Philly special or whatever, the Philly special, whatever they're calling it. I think I heard Philly <laughs> Philly, then I heard Philly special. Dilly but Dilly. Uh, Philly Philly. But uh, guys... <laughs> I, I thought it was a pretty good Super Bowl as well. I mean, again, anytime that the Patriots don't win, I think it's a, definitely uh, a blessing. I mean, of course, uh, it all came, goes back to 85 when the Bears beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl as well, at least for me. But uh, let's get this topic a little bit more Bears-specific. You know, Doug Peterson and Bears head coach Matt Nagy, they have some very similar backgrounds. Both are former high school coaches, both from the Andy Reid coaching tree, 
both initially hired as Reed's offensive quality control coach, worked their way up the ladder. And both inherited losing NFC teams with potential on the roster, uh, guys who were second overall picks at quarterback one year into their career now. So, of course, it only took Peterson two seasons to host the Lombardi Trophy. So obviously there's lots to like here if you're a Bears fan as we are aspiring to do the same thing here in Chicago. I want to know, is there anything specific that you guys want to maybe uh, kind of solve from that game that you're like, I really hope that's here in Chicago uh, soon and that you kind of think it will be? Nick? So I think just from watching that Super Bowl and seeing how Peterson handled it, I think the big thing for them is that they stayed aggressive on offense throughout the entirety of the game and really put the pressure on the Patriots. And I think, you know, with him coming from Andy Reid and obviously Nagy, I think maybe we can get some of that. Be that aggressive team where, again, you you want to keep on putting the gas, uh, foot on the gas to where teams, you don't let them come back into games. And I think that's a good thing that maybe Nagy can take from being with Finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Andy Reid, who is also a very aggressive coach, but I think that's one of my big takeaways. Yep, sorry, I was muted there, and I totally forgot to unmute. I usually, I usually don't mute, mute but uh, that said, yeah, I like the aggressiveness that you know you saw from Peterson. Uh, Nagy himself is known for being an aggressive play caller, and it's one of those things where perhaps we can have that here in Chicago uh, with Nagy at the realm. But uh, how about you, B? Overall, anything that you can see from that game that you're like, hey, I hope uh, I can see that in Chicago here soon. Uh, one thing that I just really want to take away when just looking at the Eagles as a whole is that patience is still important. Cause like you said, uh, Peterson inherited a, a losing team. Uh, they were last in the NFC East in 2016 and it took Peterson some time to really work out the kinks. So don't lose patience, uh, and what the staff's going to be able to do. Like, uh, like you said, there's still, uh, some talent on the roster similar to what the Eagles had some potential to work with here. Uh, but I need to see that, that success from Nagy first before I get overly, uh, optimistic about what's to come. Oh, exactly. Exactly. But the fact with the similar backgrounds are just, you know, things that, of course, we hope kind of emulate, kind of mirror one another here in Chicago. And one of the things that I have is how you saw both offenses, really, but really more specifically the Eagles offense kind of forced that Patriots defense to cover, you know, every inch of that field, not just north and south, but the east and west. And guys like Tariq Cohen. Uh, Cameron Meredith as well uh, with him being healthy coming up Jordan Howard uh, obviously I am that's all I have right now hopefully we have some more playmakers come August come September uh, but just having those kind of guys to force the entire field with the play calling uh, kind of not have a defense you know load the box assume that something's going to come up right up the middle of the field each and every down is going to be a huge benefit for these Bears so that's something I definitely took from this game it's just a fact that uh, the Eagles offense really made the Patriots kind of cover every single inch um, from sideline to sideline. And that's why I think we're going to start seeing here in Chicago sometime soon. All right. So speaking of that Andy Reid coaching tree, the Bears did recently make another hire as they bolstered their offensive staff by luring Brad Childress out of retirement to be their offensive consultant. And guys, I really do like this hire. I think it's going to have a large impact on this team. Childress has a ton of coaching experience. 38 years over uh, 38 years overall. He has 12 years with Andy Reid and he has five as the Vikings head coach. Uh, he and Matt Nagy, they are very close together. They share time in Kansas City. Um, Childress was Kansas City's assistant head coach last year as well. And the two just have a ton of trust established between them. Actually, uh, remembering right now uh, during Nagy's introductory press conference here in Chicago, I think you heard him talk about Brad 
two to three times, if not even a few times more uh, throughout the entirety. So obviously these two uh, have trust. They look finally at one another. And it's just another brilliant offensive mind to have uh, on that staff. And, uh, you know, there's so much more that gets brought to the table here. So guys, I don't know your thoughts and analysis of this hire. Does it excite you as it does me? Uh, B, I'll go ahead and let you begin. Uh, I'm not overly excited about it. I mean, I think it's a good hire. I like the continuity that the, the trust that these guys have with each other. And Brad Childress is a leader. He knows what it takes to be successful because he coached the Vikings. Uh, specifically, one example here, 12 and four in 2009 when uh, Brett Favre was the quarterback. Uh, so, so he knows what it takes to get through the playoffs and to the playoffs for that matter. Uh, but I, I question we kind of got rid of Dow Loggins, who had some questionable personnel decisions. But you look at kind of what Brad Childress did, and this is just kind of, you know, one example again. Uh, but he cuts Randy Moss, who ends up being in the Hall of Fame this year uh, with Brian Erlacher, and he tries to develop Tavares Jackson before he brings in uh, Brett Favre. So those are, I mean, those are just two examples from his 2019. He obviously was able to get the team there. Uh, but I just kind of question some of the personnel things that he's kind of come up with. Like I said, those are just a couple examples, but that's just one reason why I'm not as overly optimistic about it. Sure. I mean, again, play devil's advocate. That's what you're here for. And I mean, that's what I like to hear. Uh, having all the same kind of mindset is fine and all, but sometimes you need to kind of get that, uh, you know, other perspective. And like you said, personnel decisions, especially in Minnesota, were things that kind of haunted his head coaching career. I mean, good thing he is not having that same role here in Chicago. But Nick, how about you? What's your thoughts on the hire for a guy who did grow up a Bears fan just like us? Yeah, no, that's awesome that he was a Bears fan. Now he is on the Bears. But again, you guys kind of mentioned this. Uh, he's not going to be doing that here in Chicago. He's an offensive consultant. But I think it was on a previous podcast. I th we were talking about uh, whether or not it was a good idea to bring in a lot of experienced football minds into one organization. I said I was all for it. You get a lot of guys with different perspectives to give you an opinion on something that maybe they went through at a previous team. And now Childress has a lot of you know coaching experience around the league and he's again, we said he worked, he's already familiar with Nagy in Kansas City. So I think it's a great thing bringing in a, a mind like Childress to help out the Bears in any way that he can. And again, Nagy has a lot in his play being a head coach for the first time in his career. So that just having a guy that's he's familiar with that's going to be in those coaching rooms who can help him with just little things throughout, you know, his time as being a head coach is going to be huge for, for Nagy and this Bears organization moving forward. But it's another great hire already added to a bunch of hires already that the Bears have made this season. They've done a really good job of addressing this coaching staff. Exactly. And you just have to like wonder or get excited about the sway that Nagy has to, you know, children who already pretty much like, ah, I'm going to retire. That was a good career to kind of bring them back. Like, you know what? Come to me to Chicago. We'll do some special things. That's what gets me excited. And on top of that, uh, Brandon, you talked about the mistakes that he made as a head coach. Obviously, he's learned from them, and this is something that he can kind of, you know, be uh, in Nagy's ear just a little bit like, hey, don't make the same mistake that I made, those kind of things. Don't you agree? Right. Oh, I agree. And it, no one's perfect. Everyone makes mistakes. But just the one thing that stands out is when you cut a, a future Hall of Famer, like. <laughs> oh, I understand. I mean, we let Brian Urlacher go, right? Yeah, that's absolutely true. All right. Hey, and we <laughs> let him go. We perfect. didn't get anything back for him. So. Right. Very true. Hey, Brandon, there's a lot of people in the chat that want to see your sweater and they, they want you to actually stand up to see it. Oh, so, I mean, I'll move yeah. Mike out of the way real quick. They're, yeah, but people there, they're they're inquiring about the sweater. Just had to put that out there before we move on. I got it as a conversation. A Christmas present. Nice. I was looking for Christmas for birthday. So, there you go, Christmas. It's a nice sweater. Nike. I was going to compliment it, but uh, everyone else in the chat already beat me to it. So uh, good job there to everyone watching. And I'm impressed that they can see the, the, the actual sweater through the graininess of your internet and your camera. I'm impressed too. I was like, wow. 
<laughs> well, hopefully those get cleared up soon, and then uh, yes. we can definitely see it in a little bit more detail. But guys, let's look at the other two hires that the Bears made. They also they added uh, Billy Suey as a defensive assistant, and Brian Ginn, or Jin, I have no clue. I tried looking it up. I see both ways. So however you want to pronounce that last name, uh, go for it. But uh, Suey, he's coming from uh, Widener University. Again, all these weird pronunciations that I don't get paid to make. Um, but he does have Andy B. Uh He was part of Philadelphia staff, staff during the mid-2000s. And again, he was working, um, you know, at uh, Ginn's and Matt Nagy's alma mater, Delaware, for 17 straight seasons. Uh, you know, there's obviously, uh, when I looked at his time there, he worked with receivers, he worked with quarterbacks, he worked with tight ends. He's also the offensive coordinator. He's also the passing game coordinator. So he has experience all the way around. So to bring him in for an offensive assistant, you know, is a pretty decent uh, gig for him. Obviously, uh, Nagy bringing him up from the collegiate ranks where he's been for 17 straight years at one spot to the professional ranks is going to obviously be a jump, but I'm sure this is going to be an opportunity that he doesn't take lightly. Uh, Nick, I want to know your thoughts on these two hires. I know we don't know too much about them. The news just broke really late last night. I actually didn't see it until I woke up this morning. Uh, anything you want to add? Not really. I'm going to be completely honest. I was not looking into these coaching hires uh, throughout the day. It's kind of a busy work day, and I was actually working on my article that's going to publish tomorrow. A little sneak peek there. Yeah, nice <laughs> plug there. So, I don't have any more to add. Um, I, I think you gave us a good little synopsis of what these guys did in their time at their respective colleges or, you know, but that's all I have. I just plugged my own article. So Fred, <laughs> you got anything? <laughs> I, I just like the continuity of it. Uh, from a, from an Andy Reed tree, I think Shui that you said was from the Andy Reed tree. Uh, the offensive guy, Jin, that they brought in again, again, mm. I try to pronounce it, uh, <laughs> but just, just the continuity of it, guys that he's really familiar with. I think that's going to pay dividends as we go along here in the season and off season. Right. Do you guys like fun facts? I have a fun fact. I like I fun do. facts. Yep. All right. So it's about Gin or Jin. I think we should just stick with one, honestly, before we I I have like to Gin. say it twice every time. You like Gin? We'll go with Gin like until we hear otherwise. And then we can correct ourselves when we're wrong. But uh, he and Nagy, they did split time at quarterback in 1998 in Delaware. Uh, but uh, again, he broke his leg in the third game. So Nagy took over for the rest of the season. The next year, Nagy was the starter, but then he got hurt and Ginn took over for the rest of the season. So these two are really close. Uh, obviously, they have each other's backs, uh, helping each other out in times of need. So again, I think that uh, Ginn's going to be honored that Nagy uh, reached down to him. Hey, come with me. Let's build something special here in Chicago. Give him a shot at the professional level. And again, I just think it's one that he's just not going to take lightly. And again, it's a small role, you know, being an offensive assistant, but there's no limit in the NFL how many offensive assistants you can have. So bringing in guys with 17 years of coaching experience at one place. So he'd be pretty good to stick around for at one place for 17 years. I'm all for the hire. And I like that he's bringing guys, you know, from different aspects of his life, his career all together for this one, you know, new era really here in Chicago. So for me, super excited about all three hires. Of course, these aren't really big time hires in terms of like uh, their position on the staff. But again, these small hires can make the biggest impact because they're the ones working with these players uh, more times than not, especially over the higher guys as well. Didn't so Nagy start off as an offensive assistant? Mm -hmm. I, as in Philadelphia. So, I mean, this could be a opportunity for him to, you know, go up in the ranks and maybe he becomes something who knows, but yeah, that, that is interesting that, you know, obviously our head coach did start off the same exact place, working his way up the ladder. And Ryan Pace does like to hire those kind of guys who did the exact same thing that he did to get at his position. Now him being a general manager. So I think that he looks for that in these types of coaches that work from the bottom and are just 
slowly making their way up in the ranks. Yeah. And the guys who slowly make those way up or, you know, are kind of like, you know, of course, again, who was stuck down there in Delaware for 17 years. I wouldn't say stuck. I think he stayed there because of his alma mater. He wanted to be there, give back. But that's a passion to stay that same place for all those years. That's a ton of love for the game of football. That's not a glamorous spot being an offensive. He pretty much did every positional coach he can do there. But, you know, just being working on the offensive staff in Delaware isn't the most prestigious of jobs. I'm sure you can have got other ones. Uh, So to be there for 17 straight years, uh, just as a testament to how much he loves the game of football and cares for those people uh, that have his back, like, of course, his alma mater. So for me, super excited. B, you want to add something? Yeah, I was going to say that kind of speaks to him as a character, just being a loyal person to stay there uh, for that long. I think that will really pay dividends for the Bears, hopefully, too. Maybe if Nagy goes down with an injury on the sideline or something, he can step up and be head coach, just like old times. (laughs) Jeez, that's awful. I don't even want to think about that, but uh, all right, guys, I want to move right along, and it's time to regrade Ryan Passes, uh, Ryan Passes, Ryan Paces, uh, first draft class uh, as GM of the Chicago Bears. Uh, so let's go ahead, bring out those red pens, go pick by pick. And this is embarrassing because Brandon and I, uh, the very first year we had, it actually was only a blog before we even started the podcast. Uh, we gave an instant grade to these, which of course I even said in the post, thankfully, that it says it takes about three years to accurately grade. So now we have a, a chance to redeem ourselves. But I'm going to kind of shed light where I was thinking in 2015 compared to where I am now in 2018. So round one, pick seven, Kevin White. I gave him an A for the pick. Uh, that's obviously <laughs> changed. Uh, now for me, I'm giving this an F. Uh, only played in five games, 21 catches, zero points. Can't really grade a guy based off of this, but uh, you know, here we are. <laughs> uh, it's not a pretty great, of course, the F, but uh, I wish we had more of a sample size to work with. Um, I will say that he did appear to be coming along nicely before being hurt in 2016, but that injury prone, it just has us being guessing, you know, what we have or don't have with Kevin White. I uh, you know he's coming up in that last year in that rookie deal. So it's really now or never. Uh, but from now I'm still labeling this as a bus pick. Um, could have gotten guys when you're looking at the draft board, could have got like a Vic Beasley, a Trey Waynes, a Todd Gurley, a Devonte Parker, a Marcus Peters instead, you know, that hurts looking at those names. Um, but what does Kevin White have in the tank, both physically and mentally after three straight years of pretty intense rehab, you know, we'll find out soon, but for now I have, this as a bust. Uh, he has time to change that label, but it just feels rather unlikely. So yeah, 2015, I gave this an A now it dum- jumps down to an F for Ryan Pace's first ever pick as the Chicago bears GM. But, um, how about you, B? Where are you at? It's kind of funny that you brought up Trey Waynes because in 2015, that was a guy that I was so like, we're going to get a defensive back early because we need to upgrade this position. And then they went Kevin White, who I gave an A also as well. Obviously down to an F uh, because I don't think it, at this point uh, he was the next highest guy behind Amari Cooper, uh, who the Raiders selected with pick number six, I believe. So I didn't expect him through three years now to have played five games and less than 200 yards receiving. So he, I, you know, I almost have to give enough because there's no other way to grade it. Uh, but when you bring up Trey Waynes, that's a guy that I was like real heavy uh, on about the time in 2015. Now you look at him and it's like, yep, I think we kind of let that one go by us. Exactly. And even looking back at 2015, I still would give this an A with all the potential that Kevin White brought to the oh, table. Yeah. It's just those nagging injuries that of course has derailed everything that we hope for with them. And Nick, you weren't here in 2015 on staff. Uh, I think you were a freshman at university of Iowa or close to it, maybe a sophomore then, but uh, the, the, well, at least during draft time a freshman, but uh, yeah, where were you thinking? And then uh, what are you thinking now? Well, I thought Kevin White was going to amount to, you know, some and do some good things to Chicago, which is a physical guy can run down the field, get the jump ball. I'm glad I didn't draft it, though, because, uh, you know, I mean, it, it was what it was. And then you take three years to see what they amount to. But I'm also giving this an F. But I will say this. 
uh, I've been seeing like a lot uh, throughout Kevin White's career. There's been a lot of negativity um, and he gets all this crap on social media. He didn't ask for this. This Do you think that a guy who whose dream were to play in the NFL for probably since he started playing football and once he gets there, this is what his dream is right now. Three consistent years of not being able to play. This is not what he asked for. So for all the people who give him crap, don't. I mean, yes, he he most likely will be a bust with the Chicago Bears, but he didn't want this career. What what guy who works his entire life to get to this point to where he's been working towards his whole entire life, and then it's taken away from him because of these injuries that he didn't sustain even when he was in college. So these are just freak injuries that are happening to a person, and it sucks. So all the crap that I see on social media, just stop it. No need. It's not going to ha- make Kevin White a successful pick for the Bears. It's not going to help him not get injured, but he didn't ask for this. Still a bust, but I just want to put that out there. No, exactly. It's it's hard to see that stuff over and over again, but I have seen over the course of maybe like the last week or two, a lot of Bears fans becoming a little bit more vocal that they still believe in him, especially with the new offensive system that we're going to have in place. And if he can stay healthy, expect that he might be able to still kind of redeem his career, which of course he has the chance. We'll find out here in a few months, but I mean, there's no reason we should hope he fails. I mean, he's a first round pick. He has potential. Uh, we just need to see him on the field. And again, in 2016, he was he had like the most catches uh, throughout four games than almost any Bears receiver in history. So for him to, of course, get hurt year in, year out, mentally taxing, mentally exhausting, but he has shown our resiliency to coming out every year with a positive attitude, and I don't expect anything different this year. But yeah, right now, F, because again, we only have five games to work with, and you can't really do anything with that after three seasons. But uh, guys, let's move on to round two. Pick 39, that's when we got our nose tackle, Eddie Goldman. And Nick, I'm going to go ahead and let you begin this one. Yeah, so Eddie Goldman, I mean, early on in his career, he dealt with some injuries, and we didn't really know if he was going to be a guy that we can rely on. But, you know, this past season, the the healthiest he's been. uh, And I think when he's on the field, he's a great player. He can definitely take on double teams, get past uh, offensive linemen, get in the backfield when he needs to. I just want to see him, you know, consistently stay healthy. And then get to the quarterback a little more. Uh, this grade, uh, right now, I give it a B because I think he's just going to further improve being under Vic Fangio again. Uh, I th- he was healthy all of last season for the most part, so I think he continues on that route. And then you know he's going to be able to get to the quarterback. You add some more talent around him, he'll be able to win those one-on-one matchups and become a consistent good player for the Bears. All right, giving that a B for Nick. How about you, B? I gave it an A plus at the time because I really liked him out of Florida State. I thought him and Jameis Winston were just kind of like those two guys at Florida State that someone was, you know, was a must have for some team out there. And I'm glad the Bears ended up with Eddie Goldman because, like Nick said, other than his injuries, he's been a very solid player. And it's kind of hard for any Bear under John Fox to say that he had a full season. So it was good for Eddie Goldman that he finally was able to get one last year, a uh, full season in. Uh, so good in the run game, occasionally gets that good, uh, good pass rush in there up the middle. I give it a B plus. So adjust from an A plus to B plus. That's not too bad after three seasons. No, I mean I was very close to being like mm, I was right with the A plus, but it's it's hard to give an A plus to a guy who can't be on the field consistently. So yeah, that and I think A plus is a guy who's like a perennial Pro Bowler, right? Yeah, and he's yeah. not quite there. Not yet. Not yet. We'll see. I mean, he's only had right. three seasons. Plenty of time. I like how it changes. Do it after, after six seasons, point. he might be there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll see how it goes. For me, uh, I gave it an A at the time. It wasn't at the A-plus mark, but I'm down to a B. Uh, like you guys mentioned, the durability concerns. But outside of uh, 2016, he has played in 30 of 32 games. Uh, but in looking at his stats, he has 84 career combined tackles, eight and a half sacks, a fumble recovery. Uh, like we mentioned, he's a solid anchor for the defensive line. 
Um, but I think if he wants to get a higher grade, he just needs to find a way to make a few more impact plays. You don't need a ton from your nose tackle, but just a few more. You know, only a one and a half sacks last year. Uh, getting back to that four and a half mark, what he had as a rookie would be really huge. Of course, next season and the, every year following uh, right now, he's a solid player, but I know he has more potential waiting to be unleashed and hopefully he can stay healthy, unleash that potential, kind of untap it a little bit. And I'd be happy to move this up to B plus a minus if we revisit this year in a couple more years. All right. Round three, pick 71. This is a good one. Hironis Grasso. Uh, at the time I gave this one a B. I'm going to drop that down right now. It's a D plus that's a D as in dog. Uh, that way anyone listening is questioning. Uh, he started 12 games in three years, had an, an entire season due to an injury. Uh, kind of see a theme here with durability, uh, but just too often, even when he's on the field, he's just a liability. He doesn't seem to have the build or the strength really to be the anchor on the inside for the offense. Uh, could have drafted guys looking at the board as well. Uh, David Johnson, Ty Montgomery, Stefan Diggs, Jay Ajayi, just looking at some of the names that were available at the time that we could have had it instead. But again, Heron Scrasu, even when he's on the field, we just, how many times do we say, oh no, Heronis is out there. You know, you don't want to see it. Uh, so for me, B at the time, I thought he had potential to develop, but I really think his development has been a little slower than I expected. So I'm dropping it right now to a D plus. I have a hard time thinking he's actually going to make this roster here in 2018. But uh, Brandon, I'm going to go over to you. Uh, what was your grade and what do you give it now? I gave it a C plus at the time because I thought that there were other positions that needed upgraded. But actually, when you look back to 2015, I'm kind of glad that he was drafted because our, the full-time center at the time, Will Montgomery, went down. And so he was the step-in guy. And you could tell that his size was just a disadvantage for him uh, throughout the entire year. And that was something that we said when we drafted him. Uh, Will, you even wrote about it there that he needs to be able to beef up to be able to be more effective in this league. And that's still true today. Uh, so I give it a C minus uh, just because he's, like you said, he is sort of a liability out there. He doesn't give up too many sacks, uh, but the pressure comes a little sooner when he's in there at center. Exactly. You just see him in his backpedal way too many times. You know, the quarterback's supposed to be the one doing the backpedaling, right. not the offensive lineman, especially with uh, – it just happens so fast. It's just it's it's just annoying to me right now. But, uh, Nick, I'm going to go over to you. Aronis Grasso, uh, what's your grade? I actually gave him a C plus uh, during his rookie year. He was uh, he was asked to fill in and for Will Montgomery he had his ups and downs. And that's expected for a guy that wasn't expecting to start the season. But he was supposed to be the center going into 2016. I'm pretty sure. I think he was a guy that was supposed to be a solidified starter. Obviously gets injured um, that season. So we don't know what could have happened to Grasso. And then we see this past season when he gets in there, he looked overmatched, overpowered. But maybe Mark Helfrich, his former coach at Oregon, and Harry uh, Heistad can make him into something because you want some of those more athletic kind of offensive linemen that can get out in space and block. So maybe they can make him into something. I, I'm not counting out Hironis Grasso yet just because the Bears have had some, some significant injuries across the offensive line uh, from the time that he did get in this, this season. He, he didn't look like he was ready. It's going to be a whole new offense. We'll see if maybe that that helps him out a little bit. I know Kyle Long was very happy they drafted him. Obviously, he knows what kind of player he is. He he was injured that one season, so I'm, I'm going to give him a chance, but I'll give it a C+. You know, I like her optimism there. I'd even put two and two together that, of course, with Mark being here, he has his collegiate coach back, someone in his corner a little bit. And, of course, Harry is one of the best offensive line coaches in the entire country or world, for that matter. So, for you know, of course, there's potential here for that to kind of pan out a little bit. I like that argument there. Uh, I'm still going to kind of be very cautiously, slightly optimistic, if that makes any sense, <laughs> cautiously and slightly. But... uh Let's move on to the fourth round. We have a couple picks. The first one came at 106. That's Jeremy Langford. And at the time I gave him a B, but I don't want to 
go ahead and talk about my grade yet. A little disappointing. Uh, so, Nick, I'm going to go right back to you. So I have to give Jeremy Langford a D plus. He was supposed to be Matt Forte's replacement. And then we found out that he couldn't really break tackles. As soon as someone like hit him with a four, any kind of contact to Langford, he was going down, which was not what you want to have out of a running back. Who's going to get hit multiple times going through any type of hole, but he dealt with his injuries and eventually was cut. And once that happened, Jordan Howard took over, but he, again, he was supposed to be the guy that took over from Matt Forte and he had one good. It was really one good game against the Rams, the St. Louis Rams at the time. It was more so in the passing game and screen game. And I think as fans, we were like, oh, okay, we have something in Jeremy Langford. Well, we, we soon found out that that wasn't the case, but yeah, I have to go back and give him a D plus. All right. D plus for Jeremy Langford from Nick, uh, Brandon, I'm going to go to you. Are you any kinder? I think I also gave him a B, uh, on the immediate reaction. Uh, cause like Nick said, it, well, and similar to Hronis Grasso, he was kind of an important piece of the offense in 2015. Uh, he was the backup to Matt Forte, had some good hands, had the one big game against uh, the then St. Louis Rams. Then he hit that sophomore slump, got injured, and then fell to Jordan Howard and the rest of its history from there. So he did his job for one year, and that's really, I guess, anyone could have asked for him. I know I was high on him after that 2015 season. Like, we got a guy with some potential, and then it just kind of all fell apart. Uh, unexpectedly, I think I was a little too optimistic on him, uh, but he's not with the team anymore, so I got to give him an D just... In the long term, he just didn't pan out like we thought. Exactly. That's what I get. I gave it a D minus. Uh, I think it's more because I was very disappointed after I got my hopes up, especially after that Rams <laughs> game that we've already mentioned now a couple of times. But oddly enough, I didn't even know this. He did put up over a uh, thousand total yards as a Chicago Bear, which honestly is insane. I didn't know it was that much. But the fact that he went from that to not being on the team, it's just an incredible shift of events for him, obviously, in his career as well. Uh, but obviously, he just didn't have what it took to be a number one back or even a durable or consistent backup. Like Nick said, if a guy got his pinky on him, he was going to the ground. And that's not what you want out of your running back at all. But here we go, Jordan Howard. We're not in bad shape here in Chicago, especially with him, Tariq Cohen as well. So things are, you know, working out for the better, uh, one could say. But let's move on to the same round, fourth, but to pick 142. This is where you have Adrian Amos. And I believe Brandon and I were pretty high on him from the get-go, right, B? What was your grade? Uh, I gave him an A, A or an A plus, uh, just immediately because I even said in the little blog portion that I had that he was a steal uh, this late in the draft because some guys had him projected second and third round. We got him in the fourth at 142. So it, there was a time where it was looking grim for him. Uh, and I think over, well, you guys, not necessarily me, thought that he was going to get cut uh, this past year. And then Quint Dems comes in, takes his job, and uh, he gets it back and never looked back with it. Uh, he went from potentially being cut to being uh, a lock on this defense now. So I gave him an A minus and I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to stick with that. All right. I like it. I want to look back at the tape. I don't know if I said cut. I just thought he would be a backup, but uh, I wasn't really high on his lack of impact remember. plays his first couple yeah. of seasons, but that's kind of changed uh, this year, at least with that one awesome play. But uh, before I get into it, I'm going to go ahead and go to Nick. Uh, what's your grade on Adrian Amos being at pick 142? You know, I'll admit that I didn't want Amos. So I'm going to be, I know I definitely expressed my opinion on that. I'm like, Amos, you're out of here. You're not, you're not going to amount to anything, not a playmaker. Well, shut up, Nick. That's all I have to say now. But I have to give it an A minus. I mean, his rookie year started off, he played 99.71% of the snaps there. We have a player that's going to be consistent, who's at least going to be on the field, which is great. Goes into his second year, doesn't do much, kind of takes a step back in his play. And then obviously this year, loses his starting job, but comes in. And, you know, he plays he plays pretty darn good in coverage, you know, coming up to make hits in the backfield. And 
what he has with Eddie Jackson right now, that chemistry, I really like that moving forward. And obviously he gets his first interception, that pick six against Baltimore. That was great to see. But yeah, that's a steal in that in that fourth round to get a quality starter in Adrian Amos. And you know, I there's a report saying that like he's one of the highly the best safeties in the league right now. I don't know about that. That's stretching a little bit too much, but definitely a quality starter and a good guy to have on this defense. Yeah, he really is. And if you're watching what the Bears uploaded today on their YouTube channel, uh, what does Adrian Amos have inside of his lockers? Interesting stuff. He's a little bit of a hoarder. Uh, so definitely check that out if you want to. It's uh, miraculous what guys can kind of stuff into their locker. But for me, at the time, I did give it a B plus. I'm going to bump that up to an A because he's appeared in 44 games. He started 41. Honestly, when you look at the rest of the guys, Adrian, uh, we got what? Jeremy Langford, Hernandez Grasso, Eddie Goldman, and Kevin White. I think if you take out Eddie Goldman, uh, Amos blows everyone out of the water if they combine all their starts uh, in their t- the snaps played by far. Even with Eddie Goldman in there missing that uh, his second year, at least a good chunk of it, uh, he might outplay every single one combined so far in this draft. So for him, that durability, that consistency is huge. And on top of that, he steadily did improve You know, from year one to year two. Then he took that big jump from year two to year three, which is fantastic. That's what you want to see out of a guy. That's why it takes three years to accurately grade a draft class. But just looking at his first three seasons as a Barry, he has 200 combined tackles, two forced fumbles, that pick six that we mentioned, which was my monster moment of 2017. And it just looks like things are only going to get better under Fangio. Things are going to take flight even more, especially like with Nick, what you mentioned with Eddie Jackson, that pairing back there, lots to be excited for. So for me, I'm giving this an A. I He b- made a believer out of me last season. So for me, I'm going to go ahead, give this an A, especially because at the time we thought it was a steal. And right now, I mean, especially when you look at the rest of that draft, especially that round, huge steal by the Chicago Bears there in the fourth round. All right, so we only got one more pick to go. It comes in the sixth I'm interested sixth to see how you pronounce his name. Teo Fabuluje, right? Yeah, nice. <laughs> nice. Ooh, see? That's the one name I could pronounce. He's not even <laughs> right? here anymore. All right, so this is where things get embarrassing because at the time I gave this pick a B. Uh, I thought he had a good potential to develop. Uh, I thought he had the size, the athleticism to kind of fit into what we were doing at the time here. Uh, what I believe even at the time we had Adam Gase as offensive coordinator. So I thought things were going to be looking okay for Teo Fabuluje. Not so much. I can't believe I gave him a B. Uh, that's really, like I said, that's embarrassing. That kind of makes me blush just a little bit thinking about it. But now I'm going to go ahead and give it an F, obviously. Um, never appeared in a game for the Bears. He's not even currently in the NFL. He plays for the Baltimore Arena League team, the Brigade. So for a guy who was drafted, yes, it's the sixth round. So it's pretty much hit or miss by that point of the draft anyway. But the fact that he's not even currently in the NFL right now, not even on a practice squad, not even, you know, I don't even think he was even in a camp last offseason. Yeah. Not a good pick there by Ryan Pace. Uh, I didn't even look at what else we could have grabbed. I don't even know, but uh, anyone probably would have been better than uh, Teo there. But uh, let's go over to you, B. What are your thoughts on Mr. Fabuluje? I think I gave him a B plus because I'm a huge sucker for offensive linemen because <laughs> he, was, he was a big dude, 6'6", 340. He was bigger than any offensive lineman that the Bears had. I'm like, perfect. That's a great guy to run behind. Uh, but obviously his athleticism or uh, uh, durability or endurance never really increased, I think, like the Bears thought, because he was quietly cut from the team and just never appeared in any games, like you said. So it's it's dropping to an F. Yeah, there's nothing to say. I mean, we didn't even <laughs> see him on the field. Even Kevin White, at least he had five games. But again, first round pick, right. a little bit different expectations. Uh, Nick, anything to add that we haven't? I'm assuming you're going to just rebut everything we said. Not rebut, uh, just repeat everything that we said. Yeah, this is the last time you'll hear Tyle Fabluje ever from the. 
Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo SmartBase from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Harris Brothers, because he didn't even make it to his <laughs> second training camp. He gets an F. No more tile. I, I don't even remember his name anymore. No more. No more. I mean, his last name does begin with F, so this is just perfect. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> All right, guys. So we went about round. Uh, we went pick by pick, and now I just kind of want to grade this draft class as a whole. Uh, there's a lot of factors that kind of come into play here. Uh, Nick, I want to go ahead and let you begin because you had it pretty easy with Tayo or Tayo or whatever you want to pronounce it. And yeah, we're still mentioning him, but uh, grade <laughs> it as a whole. Um, man, uh, looking at these grades that I have, it's like maybe a high. I give it a C plus. Just looking at the Be grade more that I have here. Come on, give me a grade. Well, I, I wasn't expecting to grade it as a whole, but I give it a C plus because the first round pick, you have an F out of him. You're expecting that guy to be a contributor throughout, you know, his entire time with the Bears. He's played five games. And then you get guys in the like a Hironis Gross, who you don't know if he's actually going to make it. Hopefully he does. A Jeremy Langford. They they contributed for a season and then you know, kind of trickle down and are not there, not even with the team. Some of these players are not with the team, obviously, anymore. So I give it a C plus. All right. Brandon, what did you initially grade it in uh in 2015? And how has that grade changed? I don't remember what I gave the grade immediately. I didn't <laughs> Jeez, look at that. I swear I put I, in it, our it's gonna be way higher than what I have right now. It was I a B plus. Uh it was probably a, a B, something it's, like it's, that, along those lines. Uh but now when I sit back and look at it, now that you can clearly evaluate correctly evaluate this draft class i mean i'd say it was average he had a couple guys in the long-term success adrian amos eddie goldman uh missed on a few in the long term uh teo fabaluge and kevin white and there's a couple that were average in that midterm uh year heronis grasso jeremy langford still some hope for grasso uh but i mean overall just kind of looking at all the grades that i've got i'm giving it a c minus like i said he hit on the long-term guys amos and goldman had some short-term success with a couple guys and he totally missed on a couple, so it's it's just an average draft, I think. Okay, I just went to check. You gave it a B plus, so that way we're all uh, oh yeah on the same page. Definitely a couple pegs down. Yep, exactly. I mean, don't worry. <laughs> I gave it an A minus, which just shows what, oh. <laughs> shows how excited I was about Ryan Pace's first drive class. For me, it drops down to a. I'm going to give it a C plus uh, because when you draft six players and two of them are not even on the roster, uh, one that's a liability in the trenches being her own scratch. Sue. Um, a top 10 pick that's only appeared in five games, two picks that, you know, seem to be panning out here with Adrian Amos and Eddie Goldman. It's a bag full of mixed results. And every draft class of course is a mixed results. I mean, no one hits perfectly on each and every draft. It's just impossible. Um, but I just got to really like the value with Eddie Goldman and Adrian Amos, which of course bumps this great up, but, Honestly, we miss out on some big time players. I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but just imagining what some of those bigger players could have done here in Chicago, of course, uh, can't help but make one feel just a little bit disappointed. But again, it was Ryan Pace's first draft, guys. Uh, he does seem to be pr- improving, you know, year in, year out with his drafts. Uh, so I'll take two defensive studs with this draft, no doubt about it. I mean, C plus overall fine, but the fact that we have. Uh, two guys in different levels of the defense, one right at the anchor and one in the back end, who are absolute studs, great value picks as well. Uh, definitely not a not a waste of a draft by Ryan Pace by no means here uh, in Chicago back in 2015. 
All right, guys, moving on to our next segment, we're going to go ahead and I went back through our state of the franchise episodes and we said that the Bears biggest needs on offense was wide receiver, even though Brandon believes it's offensive line and on defense. We all agreed that it was a pass rusher and we didn't really want to put ourselves in the corner of defensive end or outside linebacker, but obviously only one need can kind of triumph the rest and become the Chicago Bears absolute number one largest need this offseason. So I kind of want to figure that out. So guys. What's the top need in your mind on this entire team? Wide receiver, pass rusher, or Brandon, I'll even let you pick offensive line if you desire. But first, Nick, you're up first. It's got to be wide receiver. I mean, when you really think about it, the Bears finished uh, tied for seventh in the NFL in sacks. So they're able to get to the quarterback and they finished dead last in receiving. And the defense is far ahead of the offense right now. And Trubisky needs a reliable receiver. And the most reliable guy right now is Kendall Wright. And that's a problem. So you can't have that. And I think the way that they need to address this is not just, you can't just go one route. You can't just go and dress this to the draft or free or free agents. You have to do both. And you got to hit on multiple guys. And you got to think they have to go get some big name guys. Because we saw you go for a Kendall Wright or Don Charlotte or these lower level kind of guys that um, you don't expect to be great. That's what you get out of them. You get what you pay for. So I think wide receiver is the biggest issue. We have we have Akeem Hicks and Leonard Floyd. At least you have that. Right now you have Kendall Wright and maybe uh, Meredith, who I'm, I'm, I have a lot of uh, expectations for next season. But still, you need to get him, Trubisky, a reliable receiver that he's going to have for the longevity of his career, hopefully, to just kind of – there's his go-to guy because they didn't have anybody. There were times where the offensive line did block and gave Trubisky enough time to pass. Nobody was open. So we need a we need wide receivers. That's the biggest need for the Bears. All right. Wide out for Nick. Made a lot of good points there. But again, Cameron Meredith, that might change some things. And we all mentioned Kevin White does have that one, you know, last you know, prove it year. So we'll see. But Nick looks very skeptical, which is very appropriate. So don't, you know, I'm not gonna say don't worry, but you know, it's understandable. But uh Brandon, how about you? Absolute biggest need on this team in your mind. Uh, I have pass rusher because I put more value there than I do on wide receivers because they're they're a dime a dozen. And sometimes, you know, like Nick said, you get what you pay for. You pay big money for a guy, but you also might get a little bit more outside the field, uh, some baggage issues, some locker room issues. Uh, so for me, for that reason, you get undrafted free agents like Cameron, who it's going to take a year or two for them to develop. Uh, and then he almost ends up with a 900-yard season in his second year. So I'm not really worried about finding receiver because they if they can get athletic guys who are willing to learn he's going to develop into a solid guy plus if mitch is going to continue to develop on the way that he is and at the very least he's going to be a very good quarterback he's going to make some receivers better as well so i'm thinking that you want to get to the opposing team's quarterback because like nick said we have akeem hicks and leonard floyd and those are the only two names that he can name off i'd like to have at least one or two more uh young guys or even just out of free agency just a name that's going to be able to to plug in where pernell mcphee was or where Willie Young was if they decided to not go his way again. I think that there needs to be a little more depth at that position because it's so much more valuable as we've seen. It was able to help the secondary improve as well. So I think pass rusher is the Bears' overall number one need. Interesting, interesting. Wide receiver, pass rusher. Which way should I go? I'm going to go pass rusher, and I'm also going to stick with... No. (laughs) (laughs) Pass rusher. Outside linebacker, too, because I'm just looking at it. You know, obviously, wide receiver, offensive line have their fair share of question marks, but obviously, with a team that's coming off of 5 and 11 season, you're going to have question marks, you know, all across the board. Uh, but we talked about it last week, you know, pretty much in full that this outside linebacker unit is two things aging and brittle. 
And I think that the Bears defense, especially with Fangio, it really works its best when he can generate pressure pressure with only four. And last season, especially towards the end, I think we started to rely just a little bit too much on sending those extra rushers. Uh, so the Bears need someone uh, alongside Floyd who can make an impact. And they also need to find some younger quality depth at the position. Guys can go out there and just make it a little bit deeper at the spot because I think if the Bears can go out there, be deep, have a more of a – a rotation there instead of having to have Leonard Floyd be out there for the most ga- most of the game. Uh, Pernell McPhee, who's here, even Willie Young, Sam Acho for that fact. We need guys who can come in, play a role, be a part of a rotation, keep guys fresh all season long. Uh, looking at defensive end, we talked about it a lot, how Akeem Hicks kind of fell off after the bye week. That's just because he had no one to spell him. So for the Bears, they need to find a little bit more depth across the defensive front, keep guys fresh all season long. That way we don't have that kind of, uh, you know, falling off a cliff here come week eight. Um, all of this said, I almost changed my mind because corner technically is a top need because we don't have any under contract besides a couple. We don't have Bryce Callahan. We don't have Kyle Fuller, Princeton McMahon. Like our top three corners are gone. And it's right now, it's like what? Like I said, Craven LeBlanc uh, and uh, DeAndre Hall right now, which, and uh, Marcus Cooper. I keep forgetting about him, which isn't a bad thing. But uh, yeah, corner might be one too. Uh, I'm sure someone can make a great argument for that in the chat or reach out to us on Twitter and let us know. But guys, any final thoughts on Bears' biggest need before we move on to the final segment? Nick is wrong. <laughs> I like how we both tried to clarify our point. But with that uh, being said, I think we both got it wrong. out there. Wide receiver is the biggest position. <laughs> oh. You guys, <laughs> yeah, you guys both blurted it out. All right. <laughs> But we're down to our final segment, so it's, it means that it's time to answer some questions submitted by our fans. And this is one of, of course, one of my favorite moments, and ours as well, uh, throughout the entirety of the show. So uh, without further ado, here we go. The first question comes from uh, someone from last week as well, Chicago underscore 1996 underscore on Twitter. That's a lot of typing. You were trying to find that handle, but he wants to know, number one, can we become a dynasty? And then he asked if Kevin White is a bust and what we should do with him. I think we already hit on Kevin White enough. So I want to know, guys, it's way early. Is there a chance of becoming a dynasty? I don't know if another one can do it besides the Patriots in the modern NFL, at least right now. No one's even gotten close. Thoughts, Nick? Uh, Can we get to 500 next season or any season? That should be the goal or a better question to ask. Uh, Become a dynasty? I mean... The Patriots, yeah, and they're a fantastic. They have the greatest quarterback of all time, and arguably the best coach to ever coach. And you know they did it. But uh, can we become? Can we? We can. Is it possible? Probably not. I would just like to see you know consistent, you know, slow progression, just to get to five hundred. I that's what I want to see. Exactly. You know, stepping stones. Five hundred win the division, win a playoff game, and then we can start talking about these sorts of things. I think Dynasty right now is slightly overzealous. B, do you even want to chime in here? I have a better question just to top next because I'm I'm trying to win this battle here. Uh, but <laughs> are you willing to become patient? Because like Kevin Garnett said, after he won his championship with the Boston Celtics, anything is possible, uh, but you just got to really be patient for it. I think Pace needs a few more draft classes that are going to be sustained, uh, build some continuity, develop some of these guys and then be able to have sustained success on top of that. There's a lot of ifs in there, uh, so you just got to be willing to be patient. Yeah, and again, Dynasty is a long span of time to be successful. <laughs> Woo, we need a we need to kind of keep our season to be successful, a successful season, not yeah. a long span of seasons, one season to be successful. Yeah, exactly. Again, baby steps, stepping stones, milestones, uh, 
progression, things that we need to see from our Chicago Bears. But guys, the next question, it comes from Brian, and he wants to know, do you think we're going to get more primetime games this year? Uh, B? I have my doubts, unless this team really surprises us. I mean, when you look at who we got to play, play the Rams, play the Patriots. I mean, I think we'll get one of the Green Bay games on there, potentially one more. So I think really only two or three max, in my opinion. All right, Nick, anything to add? No, we're not going to get prime times this year. Maybe at the end of this season, going into the next season, if the Bears, you know, get those wins, get to 500, maybe nine and seven, then yeah, you'll definitely see more primetime games. But this upcoming season, probably not. Exactly. And on top of that, we need to succeed a little bit more during these primetime games. Again, new era, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm assuming two, three max would be pretty much what we're going to see in 2017. And honestly, at least for us in postgame shows, I, I mind the noon kickoff or you know a 3 30 kickoff kind of makes the day a little crazy when we're sitting here doing a post game show at one in the morning and then by the time i actually fall asleep it's like four uh but you know i don't mind prime time it just i think we need more marketable players uh get a little bit more recognition around the league before it's even possible all right guys next question comes from don and he wants to know what position and player should be drafted in the first round and on top of this elliot was asking kind of along the same lines when he asked us if the bear should target a wide receiver or draft best available come may uh nick i'm gonna go ahead and let you begin man this is a tough one because the bears uh, obviously free agency hasn't happened i think that's gonna maybe dictate what the bears can do in this uh in this first round but they could go an edge rusher it depends who's there there's gonna be a lot of quarterbacks drafted within the first five picks so maybe maybe probably not likely a bradley chubb makes it to the the bears that you know they pick probably not or you get maybe a marcus davenport you you go for a reach on that guy you could go wide receiver. If Ryan Pace likes Calvin Ridley, let's say he likes it. We've seen that he has the conviction to go get a player. He moved up to get Floyd, moved up to get Trubisky. If he really likes him and thinks he can be a difference maker, he'll go get him. Guard, you can go guard at Quinn Nelson. The inside linebacker from Virginia Tech, Tremaine Edmonds. Cornerback, uh, Joshua Jackson. The Bears, the, I don't know what they're going to do with this first pick. And we'll know a little bit later as time goes on. And we, Like I said, we see him free agency, but... It's it's interesting right now. The Bears are in a position where there's going to be a lot of good players taken off, and then maybe they do go that best player available with what they've shown in the past. But Pace, if he likes a guy, he'll go get him. Nick, you said a lot of words, and it could be summed up in three. I don't know. There you go. <laughs> Brandon, anything go. to add here? Honestly, I think at this point in the offseason, it's a lot of speculation, a lot of just name dropping. Again, we don't even have the combine yet. Guys are going to fall. Guys are going to rise. We have no clue. You know right. how the big board's going to fall. We don't even know who we're going to pick up in free agency. Just too many unknowns right now for me to even speculate. What about you? Do you have any uh, inkling in you that wants to actually go out there and speculate right now? I just want to contradict Nick again. Uh, he said uh, free <laughs> agency is going to kind of dictate what we do in the draft. I don't think so. I think regardless, he just goes player available. I said might. I said might. Might. Okay. Might. Might. I just turned right. in and was like, oh, I can contradict that. But uh, no, I, I'll, I'll name drop. I like Quentin Nelson out of Notre Dame, obviously. And Calvin Ridley seems to be a guy, even though I just bashed wide receiver position. Uh, that kind of seems to be circulating around the Bears. So just kind of want to throw that out there. I'd be okay with that. Okay. Whiteouts. All right. We have two more questions, guys. Uh, no fists. Just kind of keep them down to your side. I don't want to have to see any cracked screens or anything of that nature. But uh, the next one comes from Thomas underscore Barry on Twitter. Finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets 
and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You also know, with Malcolm Butler being benched for the Super Bowl and his future in New England in serious doubt, uh, I think we know the future. Uh, should the Bears make a run at him? I don't see why not. He's a good corner. Obviously, he's played for a championship caliber team. We need all the help we can get it at pretty much any position, but we don't know what's going to happen with Kyle Fuller. We honestly, if he would be an upgrade over someone like a Prince of Mukamara, so I don't see why not, uh, but there's going to be other options in free agency as well. That might be a, a little bit uh, at a better price point. Uh, but what about you, B? Um, if Bill Belichick benches him in the biggest game of the year, I'm not sure that I want him on my team. And I've, I've heard it's been a variety of things that he was benched for. He was sick late to a team meeting, some off the field distractions for him. Uh, I don't, think I ever heard a concluding reason as to why, uh, but if Bill had a reason, uh, I'm sure it was a good one, and I don't think that I want to put someone uh, who's going to stretch or bend the rules a little bit in Matt Nagy's locker room uh, in his first year as coach, so I think I'm going to pass on Malcolm Butler. All right, valid points there. What about you, Nick? You know, the thing is with Butler, obviously whatever he did wasn't significant enough to where he didn't dress in that game. So it might have been a little thing. It's the it's the Patriot way where you have to kind of you have to play to Bill Belichick's rules or you will get benched. So I don't know if it was that significant to where why even dress the guy if he's not going to play any defensive snaps. But um, I think the Bears should definitely look into it. This is a guy who's three years removed from winning the game, winning a Super Bowl for the Patriots. And we don't know what they're going to do with their corners right now. The Bears. Um, Again, it all depends what he actually did. Um, if it was obviously a big-time violation, why does he dress then? But there's a lot of questions circulating around uh, Malcolm Butler, what's actually going on. A lot of players are supporting him, though, including Tom Brady. So maybe this is just a mistake on Belichick's fault for benching him for maybe a little something where he should have you know, stayed disciplined, like I said, commit to that uh, you know, Patriot way. But I definitely think the Bears should look into it. All right. Yeah. No harm in looking into it whatsoever. So might as well. Um, so guys, we have one more question. It comes from Nate. He wants to know, uh, why are the bears ranked 31st in ESPN's way too early power rankings? <laughs> way too uh, early. Exactly. Uh, Nick, I, 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 what I have here, uh, ESPN hates the bears question mark. No, it's, it's just way too early. That's all it is. I mean, we don't know the draft hasn't happened. Free agency has free agency hasn't happened. ESPN just puts those things out there to get Bears fans irritated. We're always going to be in the lower rankings, but we'll see what happens come, you know, when the significant time of the year for football comes back. It just ended. Football just ended. So you're making these predictions when there's no football going on. So we'll see what happens. Exactly. And again, none of us work at ESPN, so none of us really know why they put them there. But Nick, I think you brought up some good points. National media coverage, especially from ESPN on our Bears. Not usually so positive. No, not at all. I mean, I remember early on when Erlacher was playing, we would always we'd see commercials. There'd be Bears players in there. You'd see uh, maybe in the Sunday night football uh, introduction, there'd be Erlacher there. You see no Bears players, any Bears affiliation whatsoever. It, it's kind of irritating because, again, the Bears have not been very good. But if like maybe if a Brown, well, the Browns are there for, you know, uh, com comical reasons but again you want to see the bears in the national media because that's your team you want to see that but hopefully with Trubisky, Nagy, they bring this winning culture here to chicago and maybe we'll start seeing that national coverage awesome all right so two more questions for me to nick uh number one i don't know if you've shown your erlacher action figure yet on the show and oh, number man. two uh i want oh did you actually you took it all the way back to the I, other side I of the can, room i can 
here, watch. Yeah, All right. Okay, so Brandon, I want to know real quick. Uh, I don't even know where to take this right now. I'm just waiting for this Urlacher doll. Do you expect it to be spectacular as I think it will be? I hope so. I mean, I, I know we haven't necessarily had some of the best experiences in the NFL in the past. Like some of the combine stuff hasn't always been what it's been hyped up to be. It was cool to go still, uh, but after you do it once, it was kind of like it for us. But hopefully, I'm really hoping that the Hall of Fame is going to be something that we want to go back to repeatedly. I don't know exactly. All right, Nick, without oh. further ado. Yeah, so I have to talk so you can actually see it. So this guy, Erlach, has just been in my basement next to my picture with Erlach when I met him at training camp. But I figure, you know, we're talking about him in the Hall of Fame, getting in there. We're going to Canada. Might as well bring him there so you guys can see. He's not very focused right now, but I have a little Erlacher action figure that's actually sitting back there. You can't really see him, but I thought it was pretty cool. Had to bring it up for the show. Exactly. I thought you were going to have it here this whole time. But uh, one last <laughs> thing, Mr. Big Shot. How did it feel uh, before the game, seeing like Jarrett Payton on like the big national stage, only one week removed from you being in his studio talking to him? You know, that's funny because my, my parents were actually asking me like, wait, that's Jarrett Payton. He's the Super Bowl's on and you just were sitting next to him talking Bears football with him. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty awesome. I, I, I can't lie about that. That was really cool experience again, being on CLTV and just to see Payton on the biggest of biggest exactly. stages. So what, it, what an honor it was. And hopefully, you know, that happens again pretty soon. Um, I mean, that would be awesome, but yeah, it's a great experience and I'm just fortunate enough to, to be able to experience it. Exactly. So yeah, I was, when I saw that, I was like, Nick just was with that guy a week ago <laughs> from the day. That's, that's remarkable. That really is Uh wow. All right, guys, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Bears Brothers podcast. I want to thank you all who watched live or to the replay of the broadcast. And another thank you to those who listen to the podcast on the platform of your choice. I know there's like a million and a half out there. And don't forget to leave a show review on Apple Podcasts to enter yourself for our free Bears jersey giveaway. Once you reach 200 reviews on Apple Podcasts, we'll go ahead and pick one lucky listener to go ahead and get that free Chicago Bears jersey. We're going to be back soon with more Bears talk. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.